what's going on man welcome back to the basement Omron, and you guys have been absolutely blowing up these draft strategy videos i think the double hero rb video has like 35,000 views now it's like the most viewed video on this channel and what comes with that is a lot of comments saying hey this video is amazing i'm gonna be trying out this draft strategy my pick is number five it's a full ppr league do you think this will work here's the biggest pushback on that I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is watching one of my draft strategy videos and then forcing yourself to use that in your upcoming draft. So I wanted to sort of come on here today and instead of breaking down zero RB or hero RB, I want to zoom out from a macro perspective and talk about how I'm attacking any draft in 2022 and how the whole point of draft strategy isn't to execute one and force yourself into that. It's so you can remain flexible in those first three to four rounds and then adjust on the fly to one of those draft strategies to make sure that you're not taking dead zone running backs that you're making sure that you have enough wide receivers while having the flexible to do whatever you want at the top of the draft so today we're going to zoom out talk about my three favorite strategies which one is the best what they all have in common and how i'm kind of using strategy and roster construction to audible on the fly while i'm drafting in real time so we're going to attack three different draft positions in three different mocks using three different draft strategies so we have a lot to go over in this video today if you enjoyed at any point in time make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like let's go all right so first up let's talk about these three draft strategies these three main draft strategies that i'm using in my drafts and they compose of double hero rb which is two running backs up top, hammer every other position after that. I have a video on that. I'll try and put a card up here. Then I have zero RB, which is one running back up top, hammer every other position, load up on running backs late. And then you have true zero RB, which is no running backs up top, hammer every position not named running back, and then load up on a ton of running backs from round seven and on. And we're not going to dive too deep into each of those strategies today. If you want to sort of look into those i'll try and put links down below or like cards in the video but again this is more of a macro zoomed out perspective now i also get asked what strategy do i think is the best and this is what i would say i would say double hero rb and hero rb are s tier probably tied probably hero rb i would give a slight edge to and then zero rb is probably like a tier right so double hero rb hero rb s tier a tier zero rb and then i put your classic value-based drafting best player available robust rbs in that c to f tier range and the reason I like these three strategies is because at their core, they're really not all that different. The idea is that we want to avoid the running back dead zone in rounds three through six, and we want to win the flex. Really, the only difference between these three strategies is how many running backs you're taking in rounds one and two, and how many running backs you need to draft after round seven to make up for that first decision, right? So if you take two running backs up top and a double hero RB, you don't need to really take that many running backs after round seven. But if you go zero RB where you go no running backs up top, then after round seven, you're going to need to draft like five, six, seven running backs after round seven. But what you do from rounds three through seven and all of these strategies or rounds three through six and all of these strategies is roughly the same. In this area of the draft, rounds three through six is the RB dead zone. I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with it, but let's just go over it very briefly. The dead zone is pretty universally accepted as running backs taken in rounds three through six. And they're there because of projectable volume, right? We had Mike Davis last year on the Falcons. If you remember Le'Veon Bell on my Jets, where he was just volume at that point, he wasn't as good as we thought he was. Thomas Rawls on the Seahawks is a classic one. That's one, that's a guy that I drafted in like one of my first fantasy drafts in like high school. Terrible time. Isaiah Crowell on the Browns, if you remember that one. There's a lot of running backs in that range. The list goes on and on, but they're just like Alex Collins on the Ravens. Just guys that 
are only there because they're projected for touches and a lot of them are landmines we want to be sidestepping and this screenshot outlines this idea pretty well these are win rates from last year's best ball mania 2 tournament on underdog by the way promo code ron gets you up to 100 deposit match on there when you use promo code ron i'll put that link down below in the description i'll put it down below in the comments but why this is a great screenshot is it shows advance rates on underdog based on where teams drafted running backs and you can see clear as day that running backs gave you positive win rates in rounds one and two and then they hurt your team in rounds three through six seven even a little bit as well and then round eight and on that's when you got the green again and from there running backs were good to draft again now yes obviously this is best ball and it's a little bit of a different format but it's the only way to pull data from 155,000 teams that are drafted and really give an accurate representation of how things shook out on a broad scale last year this is measuring advance rates which are just the highest scoring teams from weeks 1 through 14 so there's no skew towards the playoff weeks and there's no 12 year olds making free leagues on ESPN in this data it's all pure data from what happened last year and on the simplest view drafting a running back in those rounds is not good for your team which then brings us to the question of if we're not drafting running backs in three through six what are we drafting there and that is the whole idea of winning the flex in that area rounds three through six you already have two starting positions and once you get past round four you're starting to fill out your flex and the flex is one of the most neglected positions in fantasy football right we have a lot of analysts out there they say oh you can just i can see this running back he's a low-end rb2 probably a flex play and and that's it right so people really neglect the flex i think that your worst player should be in the flex but in reality it's a great opportunity to crush your opponents if your elite flex options are just absolutely dominating against your opponent's flex options that's a massive value above replacement and on top of that if you're crushing somebody in the flex you also probably have stud wide receivers or running backs now the question is how do we win the flex and it's pretty simple just draft a shit ton of wide receivers and i know it sounds simple but this is shown really well with the rotoviz's win the flex tool and before i sort of show you guys a chart i wanted to dive into what the chart is actually showing because i felt like last time i showed you guys to win the flex tool i was just like here look at this this is a chart that shows why i'm right without actually explaining what it really is and blair andrews one of the goats at rotoviz up there with sean siegel wrote in an article i want to say this was like 2019 when the tool first came out and he said this about it. he said the basic idea behind the tool is to get a sense of how many fantasy points we should expect a player to score based purely on positional adp how much does the 10th running back drafted typically score by looking at historical fantasy points scored based on adp we automatically account for projection error while also taking advantage of the wisdom of the crowds the projections aren't what you'd expect to see for the top ranked players at each position but that's because they're aware of how often we get things wrong these projections don't assume adp is a perfect predictor rather they only assume that the future is going to look roughly like the past so with this in mind the tool takes into account projections over like the last like five six years and it spits out projections for each position according to adp and we can kind of see how things shake out from there when we talk about running back versus wide receiver scoring when for this upcoming season we see that running backs are projected to outscore wide receivers by a good chunk until about pick 10 to 15 and then that's when we switch and that's why we like double hero rb and hero rb because we can get access to that red line above the blue line and then the tide shifts to wide receivers and that's when we sort of double back to wide receivers in those strategies after those first 10 to 15 picks we can see that wide receivers are projected to outscore running backs at every single adp spot the rest of the way so with those picks we should be hammering wide receivers especially rounds three through six in the dead zone where we're drafting our wide receiver twos our flexes all of that because our opponents will be drafting running backs in the dead zone to flex and that is minus ev as we see here that's where we gain the advantage from drafting wide receivers in these high leverage rounds to go up against our opponents running backs who are in the dead zone 
that is where you win the flex. And Sean Siegel had a good article sort of going over the idea of winning the flex 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. I'll probably link them down below or I'll just link Rotoviz or something. They have a ton of really good articles between Sean Siegel and Blair Andrews. They honestly pay for the prescription or not prescription, geez. They honestly pay for the, the subscription, of course. But he said we should be considering the flex position almost as an extension of your wide receiver core. And his rule of thumb for zero RB in terms of what winning the flex looks like is one I expand out to all three of these draft strategies. He said we should be drafting enough wide receivers to fill the flex plus a wide receiver injury, plus a wide receiver on bye through the first nine rounds. So in a two wide receiver, one flex league, that's three wide receivers through the flex, plus two extra for buys and injuries. So that's five wide receivers through the first nine rounds. In a three wide receiver, one flex league, or a two wide receiver, two flex league, that's four wide receivers through the flex, plus two extra. So that's six in the first nine rounds. So that's still three picks in the first nine to 10 rounds. I would expand it out to 10 rounds. I would say through the first 10 rounds. And that's still three to four picks in those first nine to 10 rounds that don't have to be wide receiver. In this idea of having wide receivers through the flex and ending up with five to six wide receivers through nine to 10 rounds, that is where all of these draft strategies overlap. All three of them, we want to end up with wide receivers through the flex plus two by round nine to 10. It's just a matter of how many detours you can take away from wide receiver after round three. So in double hero RB, you go two running backs up top, which means you can only afford one to two detours away from wide receiver until rounds nine to 10. And in hero RB, we're a little bit more flexible. We can have about three to four detours after going one running back early through the first nine to 10 rounds. And then we have maximum flexibility with zero RB where you can have four to five, maybe even six detours through round 10 in that strategy. Now, before we get into some mock drafts, I want to hammer home one more time. Please do not force any of these draft strategies. The whole idea is to go into a draft let the first two to three rounds come to you and then filter those picks into one of these three core strategies or whatever strategies you like. But these are my three core strategies. So, oh, I went running back, running back in the first two rounds. I guess I'm going double hero RB. Oh, I went wide receiver running back. I guess I'm going hero RB. Again, the way I go into a draft is open minded. I take the best values and the best players in the first few rounds. And then I let draft strategy and roster construction guide me through the middle to late rounds of my drafts, because I think where he will go wrong is just drafting best player available rounds one through 14 dismissing structure which is where we gain our edge where we don't gain our edge is forcing ourselves into one of the draft strategies and missing out on good players so you want to you want a sort of a balance of both where you go best player available through the first two to three rounds and you kind of let like i almost look at it as like a like a funnel right where you can kind of do whatever you want through those first two to three picks and then eventually it kind of narrows down okay this is what i need to start doing i need to hammer wide receivers oh i need to get an elite onesie all of that. So it kind of leads you down a pathway to have sound structure while also taking the best players on the board. Now, I want to say before I get into this first mock that for each of these drafts, I was honestly just looking off of my rankings and kind of giving my rankings a test. I just finished my top 150 on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be down below in the description. It'll be down below in the comments. That is where you can find my rankings. And I have my rankings geared in a way where you end up with running backs early wide receivers in the middle rounds and then running back slate so it's all set up to kind of filter you through these three draft strategies if you almost just draft right off the ranking so as much as my ranks are player x versus player y they're also about guiding you through structural drafting like it's almost like a choose your own adventure kind of thing where you can you know draft your running backs early take the wide receivers in the middle rounds the running backs late and if you you know you don't take those running backs early you can take the wide receivers early and then i sort of have it set up in a way where okay these running backs are now good to draft once you get to like round eight so that's all super clean set up on patreon.com slash ron stewart my top 150 is out right now 
I'll be updating it once a week in August, and I, I plan on expanding it out to like top 200, top 250 players. So if you want access to that, it'll be down below in the comments, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. All right, so for this draft, we're starting at the 101. We're going to do one early, one middle, one late, and we're going to be doing one double hero RB, one hero RB, one zero RB. And I won't really tell you which one it is. I'll probably be in the, the chapter so you can see it that way anyhow. But we'll sort of talk through each of these. And with this draft, we take CMC at the 101. If you want to take Jonathan Taylor there, fine. But I think the top two spots sort of lend themselves to hero RB or double hero RB, whoever you want between JT or McCaffrey. I think you take one of them, and that sets you up for some kind of hero RB build. Now, at the 2-3 turn, this is where we just let best player available come to us. Debo and AJ Brown, best players on the board. Those are the guys who I picked. It's also pretty funny that Zeke Elliott went at 208. So these are a little bit wonky. Fantasy Pros, the reason I use Fantasy Pros is because Sleeper, I think, has honestly worse AI and worse ADP than even Fantasy Pros. So just bear with me, but it's not like I can get into a draft with one of you guys or like the patrons or Discord members because you guys all know how I draft. So it'll just, it'll mess everything up. But for now, just bear bear with me when it comes to this. Now, four or five turn is where it gets juicy. Hollywood Brown, really easy pick, but he was the last wide receiver in a tier. In my rankings, I have a big tier drop from Hollywood Brown to like Judy, which is like Judy, McLaurin, Metcalf. I want to say Sutton's in there as well. I want to say, I would say those are the guys that are in there. And the issue is that between that Marquise Brown tier and the Jerry Judy tier, I have both ETN and Brees Hall ranked ahead of that Judy tier. And this is where we run into some problems because now we're staring down ETN, the 501, and we're technically taking a running back in the dead zone. And this is why I wanted to do this video because I think a lot of you guys would say, Ron wouldn't take ETN. This is a hero RB build. We need to force a wide receiver here. And I can't trust enough, that's not what we should be doing. ETN goes as a mid-third in a lot of drafts, late-third in a lot of drafts. So 501 is a value I can't pass on. So we draft him here. The point of structural drafting and all these strategies so we can make a detour whenever we want while being able to right the ship later. So this is why I wanted to show you guys some variations. As much as we are fading running backs in the running back dead zone, we are also afforded detours away from wide receivers. I took one here. Like I said, we want six wide receivers through nine rounds. By the way, I didn't go over the uh, format of these leagues, but for all of them, it's going to be full PPR, one quarterback, two running backs, two wide, or no, three, two wide receivers, a tight end, two flex, six bench spots. I don't know why I fumbled on wide receivers, but two wide receivers, two flex. So we want six wide receivers through the first nine to ten rounds. And we had three wide receivers through the first four rounds. We had some wiggle room to take a detour. So with ETN at 501, I would almost call this a modified double hero RB, where ETN is now our second hero RB, and we'll be treating him as such. We won't be throwing as many darts at the position later on as we would have if we passed on ETN. So we don't need to backload the position as much as we would have if we didn't take ETN. So now we have the 6-7 turn. I go DeMonta Smith here as the last wide receiver in this tier for me, and then I had to take Kyler here. Too good for me to pass up on him at 6-12. I have a big tier of wide receivers after Devonta Smith of guys like Claypool, Ayuk, Tony. I didn't feel like reaching on one of those guys. So again, we took Kyler. So now we have four wide receivers through the first seven rounds, and we need to make sure that we're hammering wide receiver to make sure we have six wide receivers through these first nine rounds. And that's what we did. We grabbed Claypool. We grabbed Olave. So now we have four wide receivers to start through the flex, and then we have two wide receivers for bye weeks, injuries, whatever. And now we can do whatever we want. 
which brings us to the 10-11 turn and kind of highlights the drawback of double hero RB. You're probably going to have to stream one of your onesie positions. There's not enough detour detours in double hero RB to take both an elite quarterback and an elite tight end along with two running backs up top and still having enough wide receivers. So you're going to probably have to stream something. We go Friermuth here at this 10th round spot. And I think you can get away with just going Friermuth as your solo tight end. So I didn't really feel like I needed to get a second tight end. We go Rashad White as a fun upside swing in the 11th round. Now with a 12-13 turn, I debated going Hunter Henry. But I had Rondale a tier ahead. I had Ty Davis Price a tier ahead. Also, Rondale Moore stacks with our Kyler Marquise Brown stack already. So I decided let's go Rondale Moore. Let's go Ty Davis Price. As much as I wanted to go Hunter Henry, I feel like Fryermuth again, I think it's going to be enough to be our tight end one. And if we stream somebody, we can always just drop somebody off our bench when that time comes. Then in the 14th round, I just take a swing on Jarek McKinnon. He's somebody that is easily expendable that we can kind of churn that spot on our bench to find the next Elijah Mitchell, Corderell Patterson, Darrell Williams, whatever you want to call it. And when we zoom out and we look at this team, overall, I love it. If you take a running back early and have to dip back into the dead zone, which is something I'm going to be doing this year because I like Brees Hall so much and I like ETN so much. If those guys come to me at value, I'm not going to pass on them for worse players because of structure. I think that's deploying these strategies in a wrong way. Just know that you can bend the rules a little bit as long as you're making sure that you have wide receivers through the flex plus two through the first nine to 10 rounds. And you can kind of bend these definitions however you want. So with this team, we're looking pretty stacked. I think Kyler, McCaffrey, ETN, AJ Brown, Debo is a sweet setup. Again, we have those two running back spots on the bottom of our bench to kind of churn through for the next waiver wire guy. Fryermuth is our weak point, but the rest of the team looks amazing. Marquise Brown and Flex is great. Devonta Smith, Claypool, Olave in that last flex spot kind of rotating in is also perfect. All right, now we're going to go from the middle of the draft at the 105. And this is one of my favorite spots to draft out of. You can pretty much lock in one of Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, or Jamar Chase. The 105, we go Justin Jefferson there. And at the 208, we sprint to the podium. We grab CeeDee Lamb, who I now have as my 111 in the rankings. I'll probably break down eventually why I have him so high. But I just think that he is probably one of the least fragile wide receivers where he's young. There's not a ton of downside there. Like I, I, It's hard for me to see a scenario where CeeDee Lamb busts the same way that a DeAndre Hopkins did last year, just being this young, being the number one option. A lot of upside there. Now, regardless, 208, great value. And at this point, we have a lot of flexibility. It's probably going to be a zero RB build, but we'll see how things shake out. Three and four come to us. T. Higgins, Hollywood, very easy. Now, I will say A.J. Brown, I have him just one spot ahead of T. Higgins, but we just took A.J. Brown, so I decided let's go T. Higgins and Marquise Brown and now we have four wide receivers through the flex and in the fifth round we run into the same problem we had in the first mock Hollywood Brown is the last wide receiver in a tier I like he goes at the 408 to me now we've committed to a zero RB build and it doesn't feel right to take a running back but again I have Hollywood Brown tier break Brees Hall ETN tier break Judy and all those wide receivers so now we're four wide receivers deep into a zero RB build. I keep preaching to you guys, don't take running backs in the dead zone. And you're now staring Brees Hall in the face and you're debating, you know, should I just hammer Allen Robinson in this spot and keep going running, keep going wide receiver? Should I go, you can't even go Waller in this spot. You could maybe go like Lamar Jackson, get an elite quarterback and still be zero RB. And here's the thing, fellas, you've committed to nothing. We have four out of six wide receivers that we need. We can afford three detours over the next five rounds, right? And that'll still get us to six wide receivers in the first nine rounds. So we take Brees Hall, and I know the zero running back definition 
is no running backs through the first five rounds, but there's no reason to adhere to that strict definition in the face of value. So we can bend the definitions on the fly as long as we are minimizing our detours from wide receivers later. So we have to make sure we're taking enough wide receivers if we're making these detours. And I would call this a slightly modified zero RB. So then we get to the 608. And this is a pretty big pressure point where I have Elijah Moore as my highest ranked player. But in a zero RB build, we want an elite onesie. And the issue is that we have all top five tight ends off the board. And we have only Kyler left of all the top quarterbacks. So we have Elijah Moore. I have a tier of Elijah Moore, Devonta Smith, Drake London that I'm looking at. And we have only Kyler. I think it's a mistake to do almost a true zero RB build or even a zero RB build like this where you don't have at least one elite onesie. So we go Kyler at the 608. Seventh comes back to us. Sadly, Elijah Moore goes 609. Drake London goes 611. Devonta Smith goes 702. All of our wide receivers get wiped, and we have to reach a little bit on Ayuk in that seventh round. So now we have five wide receivers through seven rounds. We only need to take another one in the next like two to three rounds. And at the eighth round pick, 808, I'm staring down Miles Sanders, who I don't even love, but he's a great value per Fantasy Pros ADP. That's something else to be cognizant of. I'm drafting off of my rankings, but I'm also peaking at ADP. And if I see a big value in ADP, I'm fine with, you know, detouring away. You know, we're taking detours from wide receivers. We're also, we can take detours from our rankings for ADP value. So I saw Miles Sanders was like a, a round and a half past his ADP. At that point, I'll take him, right? We have guys like Kareem Hunt, James Cook, AJ Dillon going in the mid seventh. I think we're stacked enough at wide receiver, right? We have five wide receivers at this point, four through the first four rounds. I think we can take another detour away from wide receiver and take a Miles Sanders, especially because we're out of elite tight end range. Then at the 905, we top off our wide receiver core with Kadarius Tony, and now we have six wide receivers through the first nine rounds. Now we're fine. We can do whatever we want from this point on. The 1008 comes to us. Zach Ertz falls in our laps when I was sort of getting a little bit frustrated that we'd have to stream tight end again, but I think Ertz is fine. You don't have to roster another tight end. Again, we want to be really... People, I think, especially in like casual home leagues, they're going to draft like two tight ends, two quarterbacks. We want to be really particular how we spend those bench spots. We want as many lottery tickets on bench running backs as possible. So if you can get out of streaming a tight end or streaming quarterback and having as little onesie positions on your bench as possible, that's the move. So we go Ertz, and I think he stacks with Hollywood Brown and Kyler Murray, so we don't really need to stream a tight end on the bench. We can always just go to the waiver wire and like week four or five, Zach Ertz sucks at that point so then from here on we just hammer four straight running backs we go damian pierce we go ty davis price we go jarek mckinnon we go damian williams what i will say about fantasy pros is i think they're too running back hungry in these last two rounds in a real draft you're looking more at like ty davis price khalil herbert jarek mckinnon than mckinnon and damian williams in most drafts you're gonna be able to get better running back value than that late but overall when we zoom out this is another solid team we have Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Hollywood Brown through the flex. That's amazing. We're dominating the flex every week. We have Kyler locked in as our quarterback one, elite onesie, and Ertz is good enough so that we don't have to roster a second tight end. Now, the reason why this is actually an interesting build is because we went Brees Hall and Miles Sanders, I guess, and we didn't go elite tight end and elite quarterback. This is probably the best that I would feel about running backs in a zero RB build in week one. Brees Hall and Miles Sanders it could be a lot worse. We're talking about, I would call Brees Hall like a top 15 running back in my rankings, at least in my eyes. And Miles Sanders is what, like a top 30 guy? You're getting startable weeks right out the gate from those running backs while also dominating the flex. You have wide receivers 
galore on the bench with Tony and Ayuk there in case of injury, bye weeks, all of that. So this is a really solid zero RB team where if you're a little bit queasy at not taking a running back outside of the first five rounds, you can take a detour like this after four straight wide receivers. Just don't hammer the running backs there again. We have to be really cognizant of making sure we have enough wide receivers to cover the flex. All right, so now at this point, we've done a double hero RB, like a modified double hero RB from the one spot. We've done a modified zero RB from the five spot. Now I want to do a pretty classic vanilla hero RB because I haven't showed you guys hero RB this year. So we're gonna go over a vanilla hero RB team in the late section of the draft. And I wanted to show you guys a scenario I think a lot of you guys will run into in your home leagues or more casual leagues. And my tier one right now, and honestly any order, is very firmly Taylor, McCaffrey, Cup, Chase, Jefferson. But it seems like in more casual home leagues, we're going to see Chase get left out of that tier. And we're going to see a lot of Jamar Chase falling to that 109-111 area. And I wanted to show how I would draft a team in this scenario. So the 110's on the board. Jamar Chase falls to us. We sprint to the podium. I cannot trust enough, fellas. If you're in a league where you can get Jamar Chase outside of those top six to seven picks, you're sitting extremely pretty in your home league. Then we go to 203. And in the rankings, I actually have CeeDee Lamb ahead of Saquon. I have it razor close. They're very close. But if we're assuming this is a more casual league, I think we can go Saquon here and be confident we can load up on wide receivers later on. So now after going wide receiver running back, we have in the back of our minds, this is probably going to be a classic hero RB build. Then at the 310, we get another gift on top of the Jamar Chase fall. We get AJ Brown at the 310, which is pick 34. And it's pretty funny because his ADP on ESPN is 32. So I think this is also very attainable in your home leagues then we get another gift dj moore at the 403 who i have is like a pick 33 pick 32 31 guy in the ranking so a ton of value we're stacked at wide receiver saquon barkley is our hero rb and the 510 is where it got a little bit tricky because again this is the biggest issue for me where i, I i've heard it a couple times from people in the comment section there's almost a small wide receiver dead zone like right in this round five area where you have like Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney, all of these guys. I don't see a big gap from them, from them to these six round guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Thomas, Juju, Elijah Moore, all of those guys. Now, where people get caught in a trap is saying, oh, we can get wide receivers later, right? And we can get wide receivers later. The issue is, again, we want to fill the flex plus two. So if we wait and we only take like our first two wide receivers and rounds like six, seven, you're not getting enough depth to always have a wide receiver in your flex that's a trap that a lot of people run into but again we have three wide receivers at this point we can take a detour and because i don't have any wide receivers that i feel great about after hollywood i decided it was a perfect time to take an elite tight end we go waller and that felt especially good seeing kittle go at the 401 so waller is a great value there and we come back around to the 603 and that's when we go wide receiver then we go amon ross st brown but i again i think this fifth round area of amari Allen robinson all of these guys are in a similar tier for me as these round six guys i think that's a perfect time to take a detour for Brees Hall, take a detour for an elite tight end in that area. Then we come back around to the 710. I go lock it. We secure another wide receiver. We're now at five. Again, we want to make sure we get six by round nine to 10 so we can have enough firepower to just throw volume at running back in that RB2 spot. Now, this is where things got a little bit interesting. 803 comes around. It's super close to me between Wilson and Kadarius Tony, right? Garrett Wilson and Kadarius Tony, two guys I really like. And then A.J. Dillon. And I don't have A.J. Dillon really high in the rankings, but ADP has A.J. Dillon 
a lot higher than 803. ADP as AJ Dillon, I want to say is like a fifth, sixth round turn guy. So if I, again, if I'm getting like a round and a half discount uh, on ADP, whatever site I'm using, at that point, I don't mind taking a detour for that player either. So we go AJ Dillon, and that pretty much locks us into taking wide receiver in this next round. So the 9-10 comes around to us, and I had a pretty clear tier of Olave, Tony, Wilson, Claypool that I was hoping would come back to me. Thankfully, Sky Moore is like my last wide receiver in that tier. He comes to me at the 9-10. So we go Sky Moore there, and now we have our six wide receivers. We have a decent RB2, and we're pretty much in a spot where we can do whatever we want with a small emphasis on making sure we have enough running back volume so that we can sort of cycle in our RB2. Even though AJ Dillon is fine, we want to make sure that we have enough you know, depth and firepower so that if AJ Dillon goes down or he's a bust, we have guys that can come in there and play alongside Saquon. So we snag another running back at the 10.03. We grab James Cook. And again, this isn't really a player take video, so you can feel free to grab whoever you want there. If you like Melvin Gordon more, if you like Rojo more, whatever. I took James Cook here. We come back around to the 11.10. And we waited on quarterback for a while, but I honestly want to say in these builds, if I'm taking detours, I think I would rather take an elite tight end early than an elite quarterback early. I would say the difference between somebody like a Kittle or a Waller and Zach Ertz or Fryermuth is a bigger gap than, say, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson versus Trey Lance, Dak, Russell Wilson. Now, maybe I'm thinking about that wrong, but I just think the opportunity cost is a little bit better in that area. I'm just saying between the two, if I had to pick one, I would rather an elite tight end. So we go Trey Lance. I think that's crazy value here. I would have him as like an eighth or ninth round guy. I think you're going to have a lot of home leagues where you can get Trey Lance at this price. And he's perfect because we don't need to grab another quarterback. We can play Trey Lance. And if he sucks, then we'll, we'll stream it later. But for now, we don't need to use extra bench spots on quarterback or tight end. So at this point, we only have three running backs. We want to make sure we're taking enough running backs to really have enough volume for hero rb build so at 12.03 we go damian pierce fun upside swing at running back we want to load up on those and then the last two picks we go jahan dotson gives a little bit more wide receiver help he was the highest guy i had ranked at that point and then we go dearness johnson as a flyer running back i can drop after week one for whatever the hot running back waiver wire pickup is so we have a spot here where we have saquon at rb1 we have AJ Dillon as our tentative RB2, but we have a steady roster of James Cook, Damian Pierce, Dearness Johnson of these upside swings at running back to hopefully make sure that we're not losing a ton of ground at running back. And when we look at this team, it's a really fun roster. This is what I would be doing in a league where you think that you can pick at like the 109, 110, and Chase will be there. I think this is the perfect way to go about it. We have Trey Lance, Saquon, Jamar Chase, AJ Brown, Darren Waller, DJ Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown with Tyler Lockett and Sky Moore coming off the bench. And then our RB2 is AJ Dillon. James Cook, Damian Pierce, and then like a flyer bench spot for any waiver wire pickups. And again, we build teams that look like this because if your weakest spot is the RB2, that's also the most replaceable spot in fantasy football where you can just go to waivers, get a 15-point-per-game guy if the starter goes down, and that's how you can kind of gain leverage on your opponents as the season goes on and their running back injuries pile up. So that's going to do it for us today. I hope that you guys enjoyed this video. I wanted to kind of zoom out because I think that I get sometimes a lot of my videos come across as me zooming into one strategy saying this is the best strategy of all time go into your draft use this strategy no 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 have a toolbox of a few strategies you like go through the first few rounds however you want and then from there start to kind of sculpt this you know like I don't know like clay pot into one of the three draft strategies right I never go in and predetermine saying hey this is exactly what I'm going to do always let the board come to you always be flexible, all of that good stuff. Now, if you want access to my rankings, that'll be on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. If you enjoyed the video, make sure you get down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one.